Flagrance, The Code, and Harden No-Showed. My name is Matt Thomas, and welcome to In the Lab with Hoopsology. What's up, everybody? Hope you're having a great week. As we said earlier, this is In the Lab with Hoopsology. I am your host, Matt Thomas, flying solo tonight. We've got a lot to cover. It's been a great round two, very entertaining round two, very contentious round two. So I want to get right into it. Hopefully you caught our most recent interview with Dexter Henry of the New York Post. We had a great chat with him talking about the future of his Knicks talking about the future of the Nets, among a lot of other fun topics, including some round two news. So hope you enjoyed that. Hope you checked that out. We are proud members of the Off the Glass podcast network, otgbasketball.com. Want to give them a plug because all our fellow show hosts on the OTG podcast network have been putting in work on their respective teams um playoff series so it's a great place to go if you want the latest on celtics you can check out celtics lab podcast uh if you want the latest on the miami heat who just closed out their series you can check out heaters gonna heat shout out to all those guys on the otg basketball podcast network now, like I said, we've got a lot to cover. I want to break this down series by series. And I want to start with our most controversial series, I would say, to this point. I, I would say not the best series of this round two. Um, but before I do that, I, I just want to make a note that in general, I've been really happy as an NBA fan with this round two of playoff basketball. We have had our first series in round two, finally wrap up the Miami Heat taking down the Philadelphia 76ers in six games. All the games have gone to at least six games. So it's been a great round two, very competitive basketball. I think we have some stars that have continued to rise as new young stars in the league. And I think we have had some new rivalries that have started to build both in the Eastern and Western conferences. Very, very good thing for the league overall. And we didn't need to have the star powered Los Angeles Lakers or Brooklyn Nets to do it. So very, very good um, state of things in the league right now. So I, I would be very, very optimistic if I was in an NBA front office if I were working for the league office with Adam Silver, if I were Adam Silver, all positive to this point in terms of how these playoffs are shaking out. I don't know. I haven't checked to this point how the ratings are doing in comparison with last year, but my guess would be that they would be up just based on big markets for the most part and lots of good storylines going good for the league overall. So, Let's dive into a controversial series, in my opinion, the most controversial series 
of round two, which is Golden State Warriors versus the Memphis Grizzlies. It has been a back and forth here. Golden State able to take game one, 117 to 116. John Morant missed a layup at the buzzer. This was a while ago. This was last week. So, I, I mean, I've almost forgot <laughs> these games to this point. One thing I have not forgotten, certainly, is that Draymond got ejected at around halftime for pulling down Brandon Clark towards the floor, really yanked his jersey down. More on that in a minute. Game two went to the Grizzlies, got that second game at home, but the Warriors had already taken home court advantage. The Warriors bounced back in game three, which was in um, – in Oakland, in, in the Golden State Arena, won that game by 30. Then the Warriors won another game in a row. So to go up three games to one, 101 to 98 in game four. And mysteriously, last night, randomly back in Memphis, the Grizzlies, without John Morant, who is now injured and doubtful for the rest of the playoffs at this point, the Grizzlies still take care of business without him. I believe they are 20 and two in games without John ja Morant this season, which is pretty crazy, but they win by 39. They're up by over 50 at certain points at this game. So very, very bizarre outcome kind of felt like the Warriors were going to close out coming into that game. Not a whole lot left to play for, for the Grizzlies at that point, credit to them for being young and rambunctious and putting in that work to get that win. And you would imagine that in game six, I would say, I'll just say right now, I think Golden State is going to close out that series back on their home court for game six. So in large part has gone how I thought it would. I actually had Golden State winning this series in five games. It's going to go at least six. Credit to the Grizzlies for that, for really putting up a good fight. I made the comparison. Um two weeks ago that I think the Grizzlies are the 2009 Oklahoma city thunder. I stand by that. I, I think they're young. I think they need to uh, develop more together as a team, but this playoffs has been a great experience for them. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if they make a deeper run advance into the Western conference finals next season. But I think if, if John Morant is out, they're not pulling it through uh, to this series through this series. So Warriors and six, one thing I wanted to mention that makes this series so controversial is all the fouls, the flagrant fouls that have gone on the suspensions, the ejections, the controversy over that. So as I mentioned in, in game one, Draymond kind of had two fouls in the same play. He smacked Brandon Clark in the face it looked like he was trying to agitate him and not really put a whole lot of force into it. So to me, it didn't didn't really look like he was intending to hurt Brandon Clark at all. Uh, and then Brandon Clark goes up for a layup. Draymond grabs him across the jersey, yanks him down towards the floor, does have the decency to keep his shoulders lifted, kind of puts his hands on his shoulders, lifts him up, makes sure his face doesn't smack on the ground. So, yeah, I don't think Draymond's intention was ever to hurt Brandon Clark, but a very dirty play. You could argue, in my opinion, the dirtiest of the uh, three kind of controversial plays here. Then in game two, I don't know if it was a retaliation foul or not, but in any case, Dylan Brooks 
uh, basically just wax Gary Payton Jr. on the back of the head. And uh, as Gary Payton Jr. was going up for a layup, sends him towards um, towards the baseline stands. Uh, but Gary Payton Jr. lands awkwardly on his elbow, fractures his elbow. He's going to be out for a while, going to be needing surgery uh, to fix that. Dylan Brooks gets suspended for game three, uh, that game that the Warriors won by 30 points. So Draymond did not get suspended, but he did get ejected for that foul. It was a flagrant two. So he missed the second half of game one. Dylan Brooks gets suspended an extra game beyond that foul. I think it about evens out between those two fouls, to be honest. Steve Kerr comes out and talks about Dylan Brooks breaking the player's code, which is really interesting if you look at the past history of the Warriors. And um, the third thing that happened before we kind of break down that a little bit more is Jordan Poole has this awkward play. Uh, I believe this was in game four. he has this awkward play where John Morant is, is kind of dribbling the ball out Jordan Poole going for it. He reaches across grabs John Morant's kneecap and kind of just tugs on it. Now it seems pretty clear to me that John Morant injures his knee uh, from a play that was earlier in the game where he kind of lands awkwardly. I think trying to save the ball from going out of bounds just a, a weird, awkward landing on his knee. I think that's what did the damage and not Jordan Poole's move. Jordan Poole tried to defend this by calling it a basketball move. Uh, I really do not buy that, personally. Just looking at that highlight, it seems pretty intentional. He was tugging on his knee. Very weird, awkward play. But um, nonetheless, that's what happened. And you guys can judge for yourselves if you want to take a look at the footage of that. Steve Kerr, as I mentioned, after Dylan Brooks committed that hard foul that led unintentionally to the injury of Gary Payton Jr., said that Dylan Brooks had broken the player's code, kind of this unwritten code that you don't try to injure each other. First of all, I don't think Dylan Brooks had the intention of injury. Secondly, like I said, uh, you could argue that Draymond foul in, in game one was dirtier. It was potentially more disastrous the way he pulled him down towards the floor, the way he pulled Brandon Clark down towards the floor. So I don't buy that argument. I think it's hypocrisy. And then you see the game afterwards. Jordan Poole does this, what he called a basketball play, what I would say is definitely a non-basketball play in tugging on John Morant's knee. Seemed like he was trying to re-aggravate maybe that injury that John Morant had earlier in the year. So also, if you look at the Warriors in general under Steve Kerr, I mean, this isn't the first time that they've had controversy with these fouls. Of course, Draymond Green going ballistic on LeBron James when, yes, LeBron James stepped over him, walked over him in the NBA Finals. Very, very controversial play. Uh, to this day, I, I really don't think Draymond Green should have been suspended for that. But look, there is a reputation that Draymond has earned because and he tried to play the victim card on this after game one saying you know oh woe is me they don't officiate me the same way and my response to that would be well yeah dude you play at a different intensity than just about anyone else in the league and that is one thing that makes you so great 
but it's also one thing that has its downsides too in that they are going to be officiating you a little bit harder. So I don't really buy this woe is me attitude from Draymond Green as far as that goes. I don't buy this why are players breaking the code. The other point that I was alluding to uh, with these fouls that the Warriors have done before is back in the playoffs, I believe it was in the Warriors uh, title run in 2015, Zaza Pachulia, center of the Warriors at the time, cut into Kawhi Leonard's shooting space, his landing space from his jump shot and caused Kawhi Leonard's knee injury that eventually landed him off of the Spurs, kind of set all that in motion there. So I'm not buying it with this whole broke the code and this, this outrage by Steve Kerr. I definitely believe he was outraged in the moment, but I don't think it's, it's fair for him to act like Dylan Brooks committed this huge atrocity when you look at the history of the Steve Kerr-led Golden State Warriors. And in my opinion, all of these instances, all of these fouls were dirty and uh, a little excessive. Dylan Brooks smacking Gary Payton Jr. in the head like that was unnecessary. I do think he was trying to make a play on the ball initially, and then once he saw he couldn't make the play on the ball and maybe it's just the speed of the game, but to me it looked like the smack on the back of the head was intentional. Draymond's play certainly was intentional and Jordan Poole's play was without a doubt, in my opinion, intentional. So controversial, but at the end of the day, I do think this series is playing out how I said it would um, two weeks ago with the Warriors just having a lot more experience, having been there and they still have the talent to pull this off. I still believe in the Suns to make it out of the West as a whole, but um, it's going to be an awesome series if we get Warriors Suns in the Western Conference Finals. Moving on. Next, let's go to... I, I want to stay in the West. Let's finish the West out here. Phoenix and Dallas are playing as we speak. Last time I saw this score... Yeah, it's still about an about a 20-point lead for Dallas right now, an 18-point lead, 94 to 76. So it does seem like Dallas is going to hold off and get the win in this game. So let's operate under that assumption. My prediction in this series was Phoenix in six games. Looks like it's going to get extended out one more game. Chris Paul's play, I, I haven't watched the footage or seen the stats from tonight, but overall in the series so far, he has been turning the ball over a lot, doing some uncharacteristic Chris Paul, for Chris Paul type of things. So he hasn't quite been himself, but the Suns are balanced enough and talented enough that they're still going to overcome and they're going to have home court advantage in game seven. And there's no way that I think Chris Paul is going to let this opportunity go. I don't think they are going to falter in game seven. What's scary about that is you have a guy on Dallas's squad in Luka Doncic, of course, who is in that conversation as the greatest single talent in the league. When you have that anything's possible in a game seven. So if I'm a Suns fan right now, shout out to our buddy, Josh friend of the podcast. I am very, very nervous heading into game seven, 
having to face Luca because you just don't know what's going to happen. He could light you up for 60 plus points, just totally dominate. And there might be nothing you can do about it. So I, I think another thing that's been cool, there's been some heated moments between <laughs> Devin Booker and Luka Doncic, uh, Devin Booker snagging the ball away from Luka during a dead ball play, uh, getting the ball for the Suns, setting up for, for a throw in there. Um, and they had a, a little exchange words that I can't repeat here on the podcast, but little name call in little, little heated moment that you like to see in the playoffs. So this Booker versus Doncic thing could be uh, a rivalry of the future to watch out for for years to come in the Western Conference. Another thing I'll say, credit where credit's due, Dallas has outplayed expectations. And I think coach Jason Kidd deserves a lot of credit for that. These guys are playing hard defense other than maybe game five. Um, and, and I think once you have another year to build this roster, maybe solidify this roster a little bit more. Cause right now they're kind of, it's, it's Luca and no offense to anyone, but a lot of spare parts that they're trying to piece together to make a coherent roster on the Mavericks. So I think you have another off season where you add another piece, another three and D guy, something like that you could really be a force in the West for years to come. Of course, with the evolution of Luka Doncic, we've been talking about for years now, when is Luka going to make his move, make his next step to become the number one star in the league? Will that ever happen? I don't know. Um, but you'd have to imagine that's coming soon. If he's going to be eventually one of those guys that is in the GOAT conversation, he's got a ways to go at this point, of course. But so far... Uh, a series that has exceeded my expectations as well there. Not as much controversy, certainly, as as the Memphis uh, Golden State Warriors series, but a good competitive series nonetheless. Credit to Dallas for keeping this close. I've got the Suns taking it in Game 7. Now let's talk about what I think has been the best series in the playoffs so far, far and that is the Milwaukee Bucks versus the Boston Celtics. Just for the record, I picked this series as the Bucks winning in six games just simply based on the fact that I had so much faith in Giannis. I was a little bit scared of that pick for sure, given that they do not have Chris Middleton at their disposal at this point. But look at this series. It's been great. Milwaukee gets that win in Boston in game one just kind of stuns them, kind of uh, out-muscles them that first game, kind of punches them in the mouth and, and stuns the Celtics there. Celtics bounce back, re very resilient team, uh, a much better team than I gave them credit for, even as late as in the season as heading into the playoffs. Uh, you guys already know that I, I picked the Nets to beat the Celtics, so Celtics have exceeded expectations. Game three, the Bucks bounce back, so we're just punching and counter-punching, trading blows here. Game three, uh, the Bucks bounce back on their home court. Celtics, again, that resiliency, they bounce right back and take game four. Then in game five in Boston, Milwaukee, this most recent game, last minute of the fourth quarter there, Drew Holiday 
proving his worth on the defensive end of the ball. Lots of talk, lots of uh, back talk and stuff about him being the true defensive player of the year. I don't know about that as far as regular season awards go. But, man, just shut down the Celtics in general. Shut down Marcus Smart. Stole the ball at the end of the game to end that game in dramatic fashion. Bucks getting that win 110 to 107. I'm sticking with my pick. I think Giannis is going to seize the opportunity as well as the rest of the Bucks while they are at home. But so far, no team has won two games in a row in this series. So it would have to be the first time in this series that that happens. And this is great. The, the Celtics... Really, even if they go down here, they have impressed a whole lot. And this is another one of those rivalries that's being developed in the moment. You know, you have that that talk, that pride in defense between both of these teams, and especially between Drew Holiday and Marcus Smart. So you love to see that. And I think that this could be another another fun matchup just to run back again next year and see this play out so far. This is the best. Um, this is the best series of the playoffs to this point, as I said, and I do think whoever, yes, that's right. Mark Boston strong. <laughs> uh, and I do think whoever wins this series goes to the finals from the East. I, I think this team whichever one it is, is more battle tested and is going to roll through Miami and no disrespect to the heat, but I just think these teams are deeper and built better and have stronger talent at the top end as well. Uh, great postseason for Jason Tatum, as we all know for the Celtics. And of course, what more can you say about Giannis? He's great. He's the greatest player in the league right now. And that's a good point in time. Uh, real quick, before we get to the next series, I just want to give a shout out to Jokic for winning the regular season MVP award. We did have that news come down, I believe it was two nights ago. His stats were incredible. He has the highest PER of any regular season. PER isn't the full story, but I believe he was also the first player in NBA history to get 2,000 points, 1,000 rebounds, and 500 assists in a season. So making NBA history there, I do think it's fair for him to get the MVP award. Wouldn't have been a huge bummer for Joel Embiid to get the MVP award either. I, I think he was uh, top 10 in NBA history of PERs this season as well. So quite the season from Embiid, which brings us to the last series we need to talk about before we wrap up here. The Miami Heat tonight have defeated the Philadelphia 76ers. No surprises here. I did think this would be a little bit closer of a series, actually. I thought this was going to be Miami in seven. But after that pick was made, Joel Embiid, we got word about that orbital fracture. So, look, credit to the 76ers. I think they did well, given that Joel Embiid missed those first two games recovering from that injury. So the Heat did take those first two games at home, as you see there. Then the 76ers bounced back, won their next two games. The Heat uh, just smacked them in game five. 
120 to 85 on the Heat home court, and then they were able to finish this out in Philadelphia. I'm not too surprised by this. What I think you have to worry about if you're a Sixers fan is your future with James Harden because he was great in two games in this series and then kind of absent the the other four games of the series, this closeout game. And uh, I, I can speak to disappointing playoff performances if you want to talk to me about that as a, as a Houston Rockets fan. Um, you see some of that here for James Harden. And again, I, I don't like to rip on players, really. That's That's not my style. But look, it's a game six, and James Harden took nine shots, had 11 points, didn't make it to the free throw line. A lot of concerning things here. And this is a guy who now for the last several seasons has not had a history of getting in greater shape during the off season. As a matter of fact, he's come in out of shape and played himself in shape the last two seasons. So, and, and even to start this season with the Brooklyn Nets with how close they were last year, he had that hamstring injury he had to come, come out of, uh, had to recover from, but still didn't show up seeming all that hungry at the start of this season. You wonder, you have to wonder how much did that injury play a role? Was he coming into the season injured uh, even after all that time after they were eliminated from the playoffs or is there a lack of work ethic there? If you've, you've paid attention to some of his off season uh, shenanigans, shall we say some of his activities he's engaged in, in the off season, I think it's fair to question how much he truly wants to win a title so here's what I'm going to say. I, I think this is the, the final test for James Harden. Will you be a champion or not? He is 32, which is fairly young in the modern NBA. It's kind of the tail end of your prime. He, he's definitely coming down off of his apex. Uh, I think the Rockets got the, the last uh, bit of his apex there. And then he started to decline in Brooklyn. But if James Harden doesn't come into this next season hungry and in shape, uh, I don't think the 76ers have a chance, even with Joel Embiid being an MVP candidate. Um, and and it may be the case that James Harden doesn't win a championship as one of the most, actually, I think by the numbers, the, the most efficient offensive player we've seen in NBA history. No question about his talent in the past, but I... I do wonder if um, we've now gotten to the point where the only way he's going to get a, a championship is maybe as a as a veteran minimum kind of guy at, at the very tail end of his career. So I am very curious to see how that plays out. And I think for the 76ers, overall, you can't be too discouraged as a franchise. You had a chaotic year with all the Ben Simmons stuff. You did get good value for that Ben Simmons trade, but we'll see if Harden can be valuable next year. So far, they're winning that trade because Ben Simmons hasn't played and we have yet to see him in a Nets jersey. Um, and I also think because of the circumstances around this series, you could convince me that if Joel Embiid, you could easily convince me if Joel Embiid was fully healthy and they had taken a game in Miami, those first two games, rather than him having to sit. Yeah. The 76ers could have won this series. And I didn't, didn't believe that going into this series, but 
the the potential was there. I, I think based on that, based on the orbital fracture, Doc Rivers buys himself some more time as head coach, and certainly Daryl Morey buys himself some more time as GM or president of basketball operations. I don't think that was in doubt at any point anyway um, because of the turbulence of this season before the trade deadline and everything. But I think they're pretty secure to just roll this out again. And the other positive is how Maxi stepped up in the playoffs for the 76ers, kind of took on a bit of a leadership role, had some fire there that you don't, frankly, see from James Harden. You never historically have seen that from him. So you might have a potential leader and future with Maxi there. Um, so some positives to take away for the 76ers. For the Miami Heat, I already said it. Uh, they they close out this series, by the way. So not only does James Harden put up only 11 points in that game six, but Kyle Lowry wasn't even playing. Kyle Lowry was sitting for this game six. So unfortunate there. I think for Miami, the the team balance now at this stage in the playoffs is going to hit a brick wall where individual talent and the stars take over and carry you through that finish line. That's where both Boston and um, and the Bucks at this point have the advantage. I mean, Giannis being the best player in the world right now, arguably, and Jason Tatum making his rise. I would I would certainly put him above Jimmy Butler at this point. Uh, Butler has been great in these playoffs so far, but I don't think he has the same star power and ability to carry the heat, especially given the 76ers don't play defense like the Boston Celtics do in their current form. Or I would argue even the Bucks. So good luck. But like I said, I, I think whoever wins Celtics um, versus Milwaukee is getting out of that series. So to wrap this up, I wanted to point out, and I'm not going to read the full article, but there was an interesting piece in the LA Times. Shout out to Bill Plaschke. For me, of around the horn fame um, of ESPN, but also uh, writer, of course, sports journalist for the LA Times. This is a column exclusive. Jeannie Buss says she isn't happy, vows, I've got to make it better. So I talked about a few weeks ago, the blame for the Lakers goes on management. I wanted to highlight just one excerpt of this article. Again, this is Bill Plaschke of the LA Times. Sat down, did a great interview with Jeannie Buss. I would recommend reading the full article. It's pretty interesting. Um, but here's an excerpt from that. And remember, I blamed the Lakers missing the playoffs on their management. Here we go. In a wide-ranging conversation, she continued to offer support of embattled general manager Rob Palenka, but also confirmed, also confirmed that she is now also receiving input from historic Lakers figures, Magic Johnson and Phil Jackson. She defended Kurt Rambis and Linda Rambis, but emphasized that Linda is not making basketball decisions. She expressed loyalty to LeBron James and the desire to do whatever it takes to make him happy, but bristled when asked when 
when asked what every fan wants to know, do James and clutch sports run the Lakers? So we have a lot of defensiveness here. We have a lot of cooks in the kitchen here by Jeannie Buss's own admission. Right, let me let me read that part of that first sentence again. Quote, she continued to offer support of embattled general manager Rob Palenka, but also confirmed that she is now also receiving input from historic Lakers figures, Magic Johnson and Phil Jackson. Ay, ay, ay. I would be very concerned if I were a Lakers fan. And I don't have confidence that they're going to come back looking great next year. It certainly could happen anytime you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. If both those guys are healthy, that was a big factor of this season for sure. But a lot of defensiveness here, defending Kurt Rambis and Linda Rambis, but then saying Linda's not making basketball decisions, expressing loyalty to LeBron James. I want to do whatever makes you happy but then saying, no, 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 Clutch Sports doesn't run the Lakers. Uh, a lot of confusion. Um, I, it, It's tough to replicate what Dr. Buss did for the Lakers in the 80s and beyond. Uh, it's, it's just very tough to replicate. And Jeannie Buss, of course, grew up in that. She's Dr. Buss's daughter. But it's just a tough act to follow, and I think that's what we're seeing here. And I don't know. She has not proven to me that she is the leader and the visionary that Dr. Buss was. I think that's very fair to say. I think that's a cold take, not a hot take. No one would argue with that. This LA Times article just kind of reinforces that for me. But all the best. You know, I, I hope they do figure it out. I, I have... You know, I, I've been enjoying the playoffs this year, honestly, without the Lakers. So hard for me to say, go as far as to say, like, I wish the Lakers were in the playoffs, but I don't know. Again, like I'm not rooting for teams to choke or anything like that. We'll see what happens. Seems though it's going to be kind of stormy in LA next season. That's what I got for tonight. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you have a great rest of the week. Enjoy the basketball action this weekend. Hopefully we get lots of game sevens and we will catch up next week and review what's going on in the Eastern and Western Conference finals at that point. You guys take care. Peace out. God bless. We'll see you around.